When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to the newest episode of Beyond the Fame with Jason Fraley. I'm your host, Jason Fraley, picking the brains of the top filmmakers, musicians, and artists of our time. Bobby McFerrin recorded the iconic 1988 hit Don't Worry, Be Happy, and now his daughter is following in his footsteps. Madison McFerrin performs her first full-length album this Sunday at Wolf Trap in Virginia, and she called in for a preview. Hey, Madison McFerrin, hey, thanks so much for joining us on WTOP in DC. Thank you so much for having me, I really appreciate it. Now, we are talking because you are coming to the awesome venue, Wolf Trap, on Sunday, October 29th at 8 p.m. And obviously, they, ha- they have the big Feline Center, the outdoor place. But you'll be at, at the Barnes because it's getting a little colder now that we're almost in November. Um, it's, have you ever played that spot before? It's a really cool spot. I never have, but I've heard really great things about it, so I'm super excited. Yeah, my wife and I went and saw Tanya Tucker in there. I'm trying to remember who else we saw in the barns. But yeah, it's a, it's a really cool. Into, do, you, do you tend to like the, the intimate vibes as opposed to like a big outdoor, you know, amphitheater thing? Yeah, I mean, until I, I get the fan base that calls for the amphitheater, you know, like I'd love to play at Red Rock someday. Um, but uh, and that's coming eventually. I'm yeah. speaking to exist. Gotta build up. Gotta build up to that, right? <laughs> right. But I, I love intimate venues um, and being able to like have that vibe with people to really feel that connection and that energy, especially now um, that we're able to do that a little more safely. Although, you know, COVID is very rampant right now still to this day. Uh, But I do really enjoy just being able to be immersed in that energy. Absolutely. Well, I want to I want to remind our listeners all your music and the stuff that, that they'll hear. Um, but let's let's get the, the backstory out of the way first, because I'm sure you're tired of talking about it. But we got to say you're the daughter of Bobby McFerrin. Uh, of course, don't worry. Be happy. I'm sure it's asked you every inter- interview. <laughs> um, but yeah, you know, I hate the phrase Nepo baby, all that, you know, of course, you're going to pursue what your parents did. Come on, all of us do it, no matter whether you're musicians or whatever. So whatever that phrase aside, but do it on your dad. He's still with us, right? What is he like? 73 now? Um, Yeah, he's 72. No, 73, 73, 73. That is correct. I can't <laughs> think the wrong age. Um, But yeah, no, I mean, he's a wonderful father. That's that's probably the best the best compliment way to say. I can give him. <laughs> when, I guess when we all discovered Don't Worry, Be Happy uh, and whistled along to it and woo, all that back in 88, it won Song of the Year, Record of the Year, it was a Grammy-winning, you know, phenomenon. When when did you, you know, at what age were you cognizant of like, oh, my dad's famous. Oh, that song. I know that was my dad. I know that song. <laughs> um, I mean, I, I can't really say. Like, it was just, it came out before I was born. And so- right it was always around. And, um, you know, when you grow up in something, it takes a while before you recognize that it's a little bit different than what other people are experiencing. But my parents did a great job of just giving me a, what was a relatively normal, happy, healthy upbringing. 
Awesome. And where, so, and then when did you actually decide, okay, I'm gonna, you know, maybe pursue this myself? Um, I mean, I honestly decided I wanted to be a singer when I was five and then just did not look back. So <laughs> that was really the only path I decided to take. It was something that made me happy. And um, obviously I had a reference point that you could do something that made you happy in life. And I just decided to go after it. Awesome. Awesome. Yeah. Uh, and do you have any good stories of, you know, you, so you're five years old. Do you, do you have any good, you know, like sitting on the edge of your bed, the er, er, jotting lyrics and, you know, of early song title or something fun that we could, you know, laugh about? Um, I mean, I took piano lessons from a pretty early age. And I remember she was always very, my teacher was always very encouraging of me writing songs and she made a little CD of stuff that I wish I could find. I've lost it. Um, but I remember there was something about like a song about an owl and I used to like make up songs about my friends, you know, it's just a lot of kindergartner stuff. Song about an owl. It's my wife and I just saw an owl for the first time, at least for me in person, uh, down at skyline drive in Virginia. Our listeners will know the national park, Shenandoah park. Well, and I, they're amazing in person. So I'm glad you wrote the original song about them. I <laughs> <laughs> was the first ever. It's is it, maybe it was like the, what was the old, the who song? Except yours is who, who, who that's the best I got. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for humoring me with that one. All right. And, we, and we, I'm sorry if I missed it. Where did, where did you grow up? Um, I grew up a little all over the place. Um, I was born in San Francisco, spent my elementary school days in Minneapolis, middle school and high school in Philadelphia, went to college in Boston, lived in Brooklyn for eight years, and now I'm in LA. Gotcha. Gotcha. Where, what college did you go to? Berkeley College of Music. Oh, okay. Well known. Well, the, the, the best of the best. Mm. All right. And then you said you were in Brooklyn for a while. So we're, we're, um, if there's any, some, we're East coast, you know, so maybe some folks are familiar. Like what, what were some of the early clubs you remember playing around Brooklyn? Um, I mean, my absolute favorite club to play in is to this day, uh, come on everybody, which is in Bed-Stuy. Mm. Um, but you know, like when I was, when I first got there and was doing, and then just started doing solo stuff. You know, I, I made the rounds at the places that everybody seems to make the rounds at, like Rockwood or pianos. Um, a lot of the places in the Lower East Side uh, where, you know, you really have to cut your teeth in order to get into the, you know, larger scene of the New York music scene. Awesome. Yeah. And then I guess for my, so you're, you're toiling away, you know, paying your dues, cutting your teeth at all the clubs, like the best of the best always do. Um, and then just remind our listeners who maybe, you know, maybe they, maybe this, this interview is maybe they're, they're familiarizing themselves with your work. How, how do you get the, you know, you put together that first EP? Uh, was it, was it you and I, or was it Finding Foundations? Which was first? Uh, Finding Foundations was first volumes okay. one and two. To this day, I'm independent. I put all those things out independently. Gotcha. Um, you know, Finding Foundations Volume 1, I literally just, like, uploaded it into, uh, what's it called? Distro Kid. I think this, I did the same with Finding Foundations Volume 2, if I'm not mistaken. Um, and Was it, it really Distro Kid? Is that the software? Yeah, it's like a, it's a software where you just upload your music and it gets out to all the DSPs, like Spotify and Apple Music and whatnot. Oh, cool. um, but I, you know, the, my acapella stuff, the Finding Foundations EPs, those were more or less an accident. It wasn't something I was intending to do, but I had started doing the solo shows and I was using just a loop pedal and I used to have a synthesizer with me as well. Uh, but I started doing some gigs that would involve shorter sets and with looping songs take longer because you're making the whole song from scratch. And so 
a 15 minute set is really just an opportunity to do like three songs. So I'd stopped taking my synthesizer with me and was like, well, people like these acapella songs that I do. So for the sake of just filling out the right amount of time and not wanting to just do one song with a synthesizer, I'll just do these acapella songs and people really took to them. So I was like, oh, let me just put them out and see what happens. And that ended up getting a a bit more buzz than I was anticipating because I ultimately was trying to put out music with instrumentation, but I just wanted to get my name out there. Mm -hmm. And then people really liked the acapella stuff. So I I kept going with it. And then that turned into two EPs. Maybe that'll even be more EPs, um, which then uh, I moved on to, you know, working with some beats that my brother had and doing that with you and I, um, and then just came out with my debut album. I hope you can forgive me this past May. Absolutely. And, and you, real quick, you, I want to hit you, you and I, before we get, we, we will get to, I hope you can forgive me in a second, but how, how did you see yourself? You think evolving, growing between those, those first EPs. And then by the time you got to you and I, other, other than just brothers involvement, of course. <laughs> um, well, funny enough, I had actually intended on starting with music with instrumentation. Um, that's also where the, like, how the acapella stuff ended up being a little accidental um, because it really was just to kind of get my name out there. Um, But it was interesting having new music in that way and not just doing the acapella loops. Um, It was definitely a shift in terms of my performance. I think that that was probably the biggest thing is I had to adjust how I performed because when it was the acapella stuff, it was just me and the loop pedal and I was, I would stay in one place because of the fact that it was like I couldn't move away from the loop pedal. And so then doing the you and I project was like, oh, I need to have more movement. I need to be doing a bit more stage work um, in my performance. And so I think that was probably the biggest adjustment for me as a performer. And your brother's name's Taylor, right? So what, what Taylor McFerrin, what was it like? Did, did you guys like, you know, grow up playing together? Or was that like a, like a reunion of sorts where you were like, were you always collaborating all this time? Um. So Taylor is 10 and a half years older than me. So we were, he was more so uh, as I was growing up, really showing me music and like putting me onto music. And he would have me jump on little beats that he had as mostly like, oh, my little sister is going to do like a funny little something, just like making stuff up. Um, And really the only song on you and I where he and I like were in the studio at the same time collaborating was Fallen. Uh, the other songs were beats that he already had that I did stuff on top of. Gotcha, gotcha. And you also had that song wasn't wasn't try on there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Cool. And tell us about the video. Wasn't it like um you you took on uh uh you know some feedback, some pushback against the Star Spangled Banner performance? Remind us and listeners that that aren't familiar with that whole what was that even about? Um. So before I'd even started doing solo music, I got asked to. Wow, I just realized I haven't told this story in so long. I used to do it all the time. Um, Take your time. Take your time. <laughs> um, before I started doing solo music, um, I got asked to perform the national anthem when Hillary Clinton won the Democratic nomination. And I got asked just like 48 hours before it happened. And so, you know, I'm I was also a nanny at the time in New York. And so I was like finding time to rehearse in between like while the kids napping and whatnot. And because I had work, I couldn't go to sound check. And when I got there, 
people had already been waiting for a number of hours and then Hillary didn't come out for a few hours after that. So there was like the room was like really ripe with anticipation of just this iconic moment. So they brought me out on stage, but they didn't introduce me. So when I started singing the national anthem, the audience started singing the national anthem with me. And that was a moment where I was like, okay, I'm not about to tell the audience to stop singing the national anthem, even though it's like not the version that I had been strenuously rehearsing for 48 hours. All the prep went out the window because they're just doing their own arrangement. and, (laughs) And it was also, you know, a really beautiful moment. Like we were all very excited for what we thought was going to be the first woman president of the United States. Um, and just being excited in that moment. And so I I was like encouraging people to sing along because it was like, okay, I, I, I'm not going to tell you to stop. Um, but then what happened was I was the only, I had the only microphone and, and it was live. And on television, you couldn't hear the audience at all. So I just sounded like crap. Because again, I was just like singing essentially what's happy birthday with a crowd of people just right, being right. like the individual person and the star spangled banner is a, it's a very difficult song to sing oh, so yeah. i got trolled on the internet and like even snoop dog made fun of me oh, and i no. like, come on yeah, and it, was, it was like it was awful and i felt awful but ultimately it ended up being one of the best things that's ever happened to me because like i mentioned that I, I wasn't doing solo music at that point and it really took that moment for me to be like you know what i've been going after this dream my whole life these people are not going to get me down and so that was my catalyst to really start doing solo music and then i think that subconsciously doing all acapella music where it's like just my voice was a little bit of like an f you of like oh you think i can't sing here's this music that's just my voice now right. tell me exactly exactly <laughs> well sorry to bring up uh you know a slight bad memory on the way to the good you know the silver oh, no. lining in the end no, it's actually but, yeah, like it's... I've, I've totally like reclaimed it and and it doesn't make me feel bad at all because i know that it was just a moment in my history and in my life and like i said it was like if it were not for that moment who's to say that i would have started my solo career when i started it and that is why i'm here talking to you right now I love that. It's the, what is it? The, you know, the lemonade out of lemons thing. Like it's the, exactly. you would not have thought, you wouldn't have thought to, you you said yourself, it was almost like an, like a, okay, I'm going to show you an F you to the, the critics and I'm going to do some soul, soul appella as uh Questlove dubbed it, right? Your soul, capa- soul appella. Um, so in the end, in the end, it got you, it got you, you know, it helped you leveled up because of it. Exactly. Um, Awesome. Awesome. Well, by the way, what is it, what has it been like working with Questlove? I know you've, you've worked with him a bunch. Um, excuse me. Uh, so he and I, we've just been like friends for over a decade. And so he's asked me to do some things with like De La Soul, which has been really awesome. And, mm. you know, he's a really amazing person and I'm just grateful to have someone like him in my corner. Absolutely. Absolutely. And by, and by the way, I, before we sidetrack too much into, you know, who you collaborated with and stuff, I also I, we mentioned Try was on the you and I, but I also want to mention your song Guilty, which which dealt with uh, another, you know, another political issue um, with uh, the murder of, of George Floyd. Um, tell me about were, were you were you just like so incensed and furious you just sat down and penned it like the next day or yeah, how to come how to come about? That was a really interesting moment um i had been in the studio working on my song hindsight and i knew that uh the conviction or the verdict was coming out that day 
And so I was, I kept scrolling through Twitter or like refreshing Twitter to see when it was happening. And I got picked up from the studio to go back home. And I was on a phone meeting in the car. I wasn't driving. My partner at the time was driving. And um, I'm like refreshing Twitter. And while we're in the car, it comes out that he's guilty. And I was like, oh my God, he's guilty. And uh, we Derek get- Sh- What's his name? Derek Sh- Chauvin? Derek Chauvin. And um, all of a sudden, like literally as soon as the guilty verdict came out, that loop came in my head. And as soon as we stopped the car, I like ran to go to, to get to our apartment. I ran out. I was like, I got to get this out right now. I sat down, did the loop. And I think within 15 minutes, I'd put it out. And then it just went viral. Wow. So you wrote it in your head in the car right when you heard the thing come across the radio or social media or whatever. You wrote yeah. it in, in real time. Wow. Yeah, immediately. That is, and that's how some of the best stuff happens. Well, thank you for, you know, for your real time reaction that will now be, you know, frozen in time forever in the song. You know, we'll always I know I've, I'm, I've said that I'm going to retire it when Trump is found guilty. Well, it, well, they'll have a double meaning of the, to- the song title at, at that point, or you can exactly a remix or something. One can um, hope. Well, Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. I'm Bradley Trainer, And I'm Don McClain. We have a podcast called Blinded by the Item. A blind item is gossip about a celebrity with their name left out. It's a guessing game and you can play along. The item might be like, this A-list star carries a Birkin bag worth more than the average person's house to the gym to work out. Pretty sure that's J-Lo. And P.S. The person behind all of this is Chris Jenner, LLC. We drop a new episode every weekday so the fun never ends. Blinded by the Item. Listen wherever you get podcasts and watch us on the Blinded by the Item YouTube channel. Uh, all right. Well, then we have to talk about um, what you you sort of pref- you mentioned it earlier, but let's talk about your most recent, you know, your your album. I hope you can forgive me. Where, um, where What's in the title, first of all? You know, what, what, why, why was that the title? Well, a lot of it was deeply personal and trying to just go through what it means to be an adult and learn and grow and not hold on to things in your past or be tied down by ways in which you may have gone through life that may no longer serve you. And so I was, I was forgiving myself essentially so that I could let go of mistakes that I had made or things that could be really easy to kind of attach to in a negative way. You know, it's like, I wish I hadn't done this like that. Or like, why wasn't I doing more of this when I was a kid? Or, you know, just these things that you can get so caught into these, you know, these spirals that don't serve you and don't help you move forward. Excuse me. So I really wanted to release that energy. Mm-hmm. And so it's really like I'm forgiving myself for 
things that may no longer serve me, but maybe they served me when I was younger. Maybe that that's how I survived. That's how I was able to get through traumatic experiences. So I understand that a lot of us go through similar feelings. And even though I write from an incredibly personal place, I understand that people have these feelings. I'm not the first person to be feeling any feeling. Humans have been around for 300,000 years or so, maybe even more, depending on who you talk to. So I just wanted to acknowledge my own self-work in that process with the understanding that a lot of us are going through that too. And I think forgiveness is a really important thing to have for other people and especially for ourselves. I think it's a really hard thing. Forgiveness is a very hard thing, but ultimately it helps us grow and be better people at the end of the day. Wow. So that's cool. And if, if you just read it on a page, the album title, I hope you can forgive me. It sounds almost like you're asking for others forgiveness, but you're saying it's just as much and as important that we can all learn from. It's just as much about forgiving ourselves. Yeah, exactly. So it's almost, you're saying that almost in the mirror to yourself. I hope you can. Yeah. Forgive. That's mm -hmm. great. Um, well, one more really quick. You've been really generous with your time, but I want to ask, you know, unpack, uh, you, you know, the album, at least one specific song. And you know, please don't leave me now. Wasn't did, wasn't it about you know, almost dying in a car accident? Yeah. Um, in November 2021, uh, my partner and I, we were driving from Brooklyn, where we were living at the time, to Chicago, where his family's from. And it's a drive we've done several times. And when we were about 90 minutes away, I merged from the right lane into the left lane hit a patch of black ice spun out 360 on the highway and we flipped upside down into a ditch oh my god yeah and it was like the most terrifying experience i've ever had for obvious reasons uh but we walked away without a scratch without a single scratch um i think he got like a bruise on his arm because we rolled on the passenger side mm. um but it was gone within 48 hours so like really like no physical injuries, which was really incredible. And I obviously walked away feeling like I had a new lease on life. That was that's the closest experience to death I've ever had. And, you know, for everybody listening, wear your seatbelts, please. It's the, it was the difference between us just like hanging upside down and maybe being dead. Um, but it was the first song that I wrote after the accident happened. Um, I'd. It was produced by uh, Andrew Lappin, um, one of two other producers that I worked with, because another thing I should mention about the album, um, I produced 70% of it myself, mm -hmm. which women only make up 2.8% of producers in the music industry, which is a pretty abysmal which is crazy. statistic. But um, this is one of the three songs out of 10 that was not produced by me. Um, but I had already had that beat and I hadn't written anything to it yet. And so that, I think I wrote the song maybe like three or four days after the accident happened, just because I was feeling so much emotion about it and needed to release that. I mean, songwriting for me is an incredibly cathartic experience and is one of the ways in which I feel I can really release my emotions the best and be honest and true about how I'm feeling. Um, things will come out in songs that are like so deep in my brain and in my soul that it's just like, it really, it seems like something about combining the music and the lyrics allows me to 
express myself to the fullest. And I really felt like that was a song where I was able to release a lot of the trauma that came along with that as well as, and this is a a fun little factoid for all of your listeners out there. I was told right after this accident happened, one of my best friends, she's in mental health. She was like, you guys need to download and start playing Tetris immediately. So for those of you who don't know, if you go through like a terrible car accident or are struggling with some PTSD about stuff, Tetris simulates simulates emdr therapy which is a a type of therapy that allows you to kind of like compartmentalize and process trauma without it like re-entering your body um and so i immediately started playing tetris and there's there's a lot of evidence about this this is not just like some some hocus pocus um and so i immediately started playing tetris got pretty good at it and so now i feel pretty like i'm i'm I started driving again right away and like I feel very confident and if there are ever times when I've been driving and like I have a bit of a tense moment when I get home I'll play some Tetris and just kind of decompress. Wow yeah I guess it makes kind of makes sense like I guess you're you know in the game you're making the blocks fit together and stuff like that and eliminate lines and I guess that's kind of you're sort of defragging your own brain and you know your trauma helping it all fit together it make it's kind of an interesting parallel well Mm -hmm. I mean, hey, you're talking. I had the the Tetris on the original Nintendo and on Game Boy. <laughs> uh, my wife plays it on her iPhone all the time. And there was a movie this year, so there's your there's your Tetris plug. There you um, go. That's fantastic. Sponsor me, Tetris. There you go. Work that into a song. Um, no, but in all seriousness, the it sounds like a couple of your be, you know best songs that you're most proud of you know were were from car rides. The Derek Chauvin uh, guilty verdict came across while in the car, and you pulled over, you wrote it, and then this one came out of a car accident. Uh, please don't leave me now. That's funny. Yeah. Um, well, I don't want to say funny because I'm sure you're, not, you're <laughs> hanging upside down on a seatbelt writing it. Well, there like the last one. You, you get my. I pick up what you're putting down. Yeah, exactly. Well, so and then I uh, well I don't know I I've thrown out a couple of your song titles and gotten some deep dives on them. But before we run, is there anyone that I didn't mention that you're personally proud of that you know maybe isn't underrated or gets overlooked or that you look back on and you're like hey, some of my best work? Um, well, I'm really proud of all of the music. I think that I. Uh, for a debut album and for having you know I I couldn't produce prior to the pandemic outside of you know the acapella stuff that I was producing and so to produce 70% of my debut album I'm incredibly proud of that um, I think one of the songs that I'm most proud of funny enough is one of the acapella songs God Herself that was a song that like you know as an artist, it feels really great when every single idea that you have in your head comes out. And that was one of those songs. And that was actually the last song that I wrote on the album. And I felt like that one had a big punctuation. Um, but even separate from the album, I actually just wrote a Christmas song that I'm super excited about. And uh, you will definitely be getting it in your inbox. And so hopefully the masses will hear it because I think it's pretty funky. Whoa! Can you tease any more about what? What's the is? Is it like a new Christmas song or like an update on a famous Christmas carol or something? No, it is a brand new Christmas song, and it's dancey and it's fun, and I think that a lot of people are gonna like it. Awesome! We'll look out for that. We'll plug that for sure. It's Christmas. Oh, I'll be performing it. I'll be performing it at the show. So oh, it'll be at Wolf Trap. Yeah. 
It'll awesome. be at Wolf Trap. So if you want to yeah, hear I guess the holidays are holidays are right around the corner. So exactly. Uh, it'll be a sneak preview um, from Halloween to Christmas. It'll be a exactly. nightmare before Christmas. <laughs> um, awesome. But but we can say in addition to that, we can say as we promote this Wolf Trap show that you'll be playing songs from your I, I hope you can forgive me. We can call that your debut, you know, full length album because the others were EPs, right? Correct. Okay, cool. Well, that is that's exciting stuff. That's exciting stuff. Um, awesome. Well, and then I guess in, in closing, do do you ever uh, and forgive me if you get this too much, but do you ever play any of your dad's stuff at the show too, or is it all Madison McFerrin all the way? I no, I've no, I mean I have a song with him on the record, but I I yeah. would I don't see any reason to play his music. That, <laughs> it's not mine. <laughs> that's its own thing. You have your own. Well, what's the one you? What's your collab on yours then? Um, it's a song called Run. Run, and what's it about? Um, I mean, there, there, it's a pretty long, extensive thing, but I do tell the story at the show. So come to the show. You got to come to the show to see it. Awesome. <laughs> awesome. Well, thank you so much for, for joining us. It sounds like it's going to be a great show at Wolf Trap, everybody. Again, it's Madison McFerrin. It will be at Wolf Trap um, on Sunday, October 29th at 8 p.m. And it'll be in the barns. Uh, so no matter what the weather is, it'll be good. And yeah, I mean, you've seen, trust me, folks, you'll you'll probably recognize the songs from if you watch Broad City on Comedy Central, Random Acts of Flyness on HBO. You, you've heard the songs in different places. So now come out and support the artists behind it at the show. It's going to be great. It's going to be awesome. Hey, thank you so much for doing this. My grandparents had both passed away, gosh, 18 years ago now. They used to have one of those talking fish on the wall that sang your dad's Big mouth, mouth Billy Bass. Big mouth Billy Bass. I'm sure mm -hmm. the royalties are still rolling into your dad. <laughs> your dad. Totally. Uh, yeah, they, they used to have that. What was the other one? Oh, Take Me to the River by the Talking yep. Man. So, mm -hmm. um, depending when you hit the button, but anyway, they be <laughs> they they be tickled that that you know we're talking. So, thank you so much for for doing this, Madison. This this gonna be a great show. Everyone, head out to Wolf Trap. Thanks, I appreciate it. Thanks so much for listening to Beyond the Fame with Jason Fraley. Our theme music is Scott Buckley's Clarion. Remember to give us a five star rating if you like what you hear. We'll see you next time. Mm -hmm.